actually pretty simple. I, I think like the therapist that I go and see, she's just kind of like a impartial friend. And the things that for me, the things that like the bad ideas that I was kind of had like bouncing around in my mind, she helped me figure, figure them out. I mean, I, I think that everybody could be served by that. It's not that like, I'm like, I was really suffering. I just was creating like a few mental blocks that were affecting me in my day to day. And actually the solution, it became so much simpler once I was able to wrap my head around it. I think it's, I think everybody has different experiences with this. And I actually think that I've had just as great therapy with some of my best friends. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind, and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more, or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. When I think about the early days of blogging and the emergence of influencers, I think about my next guest. Zanita Whittington may now call New York City home, but there's truly no taking the Aussie out of this one. Her Instagram bio reads Worldwide Lady Boss, and I'm so here for it. Creative director at GZ Digital, photographer, blogger, and whenever she feels like it model, Zanita is a force. She launched her blog over a decade ago, and since then, she hasn't stopped shape-shifting. But here's the thing. Zanita innovates for the pure love of creation and personal development. She doesn't do it for external validation. I see her as a leader in the space because she's in it so authentically. She's intelligent, powerfully vulnerable, and grounded. We recorded this honest conversation on a video call. It was quite late at night for Z. And we also had some cute connection issues because it's only 2019. So why would the internet work properly? Anyway, here's the spirited Zanita and I for offline. I thought it might be a nice place to start if you could tell us or tell me a little bit about you because the reading I was doing on you is you actually didn't really have a desire to be in this industry in the way that you are now and I even read that you wanted to be a marine biologist at a point (laughs) and now you're like living in New York as a sort of photographer and creative so yeah I mean I even when I started my blog I don't think I wanted to be a photographer uh I mean I think what the marine biologist thing was actually just like me in high school like trying to pick my career I was I think, even going to join mine the- was, um pedi- pediatrician I you know it's like we wanted to be very um astute things didn't we 
Yeah, well, actually, marine biologist was me, like, from maybe, like, 11 years old to, like, 13 or 14, and then I joined the Navy cadets. And um, when I was in the Navy cadets, I thought I was going to join the Navy, and then I had, like, a whole other spectrum of careers of, like, within the Navy, and then I realised that if I uh, stuck to that path, I would have been... um, probably been sexually assaulted and had to endure a lot of, uh, but like it, it would have been, it would have been terrible um, to be part of such a patriarchal institution. Yes. Um, so I really, yeah, it's quite sad. I really enjoyed being part of the Navy cadets when I was in mm. high school. But Did yeah. you have a relatively positive experience in high school? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I would say I've, I've always been really independent. And so even if I had like a negative experience with say in like another student or not like a classmate or something I just it basically that is a um that's something that I was like okay well this is a person I don't need to respect anymore and I had enough of like a I had a really wonderful home environment and I had a really large extended family I also kind of lived quite far out of my town I grew up in a really remote place and I didn't even live in the town I lived on a farm and so I spent a lot of time alone and I've always been more comfortable like entertaining myself um so I just like if if someone was a dick to me I'd be like all right well you you know I don't have to respect what you say to me anymore which is a great lesson to learn in in high school I think do you think that that sort of um that sounds like just like such that self-confidence at such a young age do you put that down to the um the happy home life and the solid parenting and yeah I I think so I mean I think it's just that I had yeah I I have my parents have been very very like a very loving and very supportive and my my, one of my mum's lines for me when I was growing up was she said that she would be proud of me even if I was even if I was cleaning toilets or you know holding street signs and waving traffic or like no matter what kind of career if I was you know able-bodied and having a job then she would be really proud of me like if I you know if I was content um so in that sense I felt like risk was not really yeah I mean this this is actually that's that's exactly why I've I keep take have been able to take these leaps with my career is because I'm like well if I fail it doesn't matter like it just Mm. you know it's better to just give it a go we had some connection issues pretty early in this conversation so I'm jumping in now to fill in some gaps. As a veteran blogger, I wanted to know from Zanita why bloggers got such a bad rap in the beginning. I remember there being a real us-against-them mentality from traditional media. But, yeah, from your point of view, like having been in it from the beginning, why did it get such a bad name? Uh, this was something that I felt very sensitive to, especially because when I, when I started my blog, I was actually working in the industry already as a model. And so I knew all the people in the in the fashion industry in Sydney. And it was like I, I didn't feel I, – I was a commercial model, so I wasn't one of the girls that was people got excited about when I turned up at a casting or anything, like the, the fashion – um, clique, but when I started my blog, it was actually that I felt I got a sense of like revulsion and I resented it so much because I'm like, I, I just have the same passion that you guys have, but I just think that they didn't feel like what I was pursuing is valid. And, and, and in, in their defense, I think that what the kind of content that I was producing was kind of rudimentary. And, and I don't think that they felt like I deserved a place just because I had a following I didn't have the same kind of like production quality or like 
you know, and anything like that. So I get, I, I kind of understand their viewpoint, but I don't think that I should have been treated so, so badly. It was one of the reasons why, I mean, all my very first clients were, um, uh, from Europe and the States, like Australia was like really a tough place to kind of make your mark in the very start. I think like, you know, three or four years later, I think, and no, I would even say maybe five or six years later, it really, mm-hmm. they it really started to get, feel like it, I, we had a place, but, um, I, by that time I was like, I'm not even trying to stay here. Or I'm not even trying to connect with people in the Australian industry as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, essentially I think it's that. I think that people in the fashion industry could see that, you know, they they had to go through the, like a lot of people, especially editors, you know, they, you have to go through the motions to get a place in this industry and to see this just people just coming out and being like, I'm just talking online and everyone loves me. I can see why they would resent that. Mm. Um, today obviously it's very different the production quality is really there and 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 it actually people can see how hard it is to make your mark in this space because everyone's trying to do it it's mm-hmm. like not it's not just influencers it's every every brand every magazine um so yeah i mean that's how i, I would kind of describe it i missed the, seems actually to be, yeah. the first part of your question a little bit there so I'm no like, i feel like you answered it really well actually mm-hmm. like to me, it seemed that it really came out of a place of fear that kind of said, oh, hold on, like media got quite territorial, I think, as the competition sort of came in. And then I guess if I apply some commercial sensibility to that, like the money was moving. Yeah. <laughs> and then people don't like that, you know what I mean, <laughs> when they've got their budgets down and they forecasted and, you know, it was supposed to be a, um, a time of growth, I think, and then obviously what's happened to print publications since, um, you know, we probably won't go into that because I think that's actually not very interesting anymore. It just <laughs> sort of is what it is, but it just, it seemed to me to come out of a place of fear. And I will say everyone was really surprised as I started in digital publishing. I explained to Zanita how surprised other women in media were when I was a publisher, that I dedicated our brand platforms to supporting bloggers and influencers. I've always seen them as smart and strategic women putting themselves out there for us to be inspired by and enjoy. On the flip side of that, I also mentioned how much good work are we missing out on because maybe some young girls fear that their work's not good enough or that it won't stand up in the way they want it to. I think I, I'm actually um, glad you brought this up because this was something that I kind of promised myself that I would want to speak about, the kind of like failure to launch. And I actually think it's... It's not really something that influencers feel or like, you know, digital like content producers feel. I actually think it's more unique to women and mm. that we, um, that we like that, that it's almost like, I don't want to, I don't want to show my like strengths because of like the society just kind of says that we aren't really that good. I think like female photographers never, uh, I, I, especially like when I first started out, it's just like these were women that didn't, when I, when I was modeling actually, female photographers were just not as confident as male photographers. Like male male photographers I worked with had massive egos and Mm. they weren't better than the women. I mean, the women that was like, you know, one for every 10 guy, but it was just that, you know, we, we, the women, we just, we, we just inherently think that we aren't going to be as good enough in the, in this space. And, and, and that's not necessarily like self-imposed. I think like there's definitely, 
um, of distrust of ta- talent and women that ha- that step out um, just ge- generally in the mm. patriarchy. <laughs> no, no, totally. And we, we quite often, and I'm trying to get better at this because I minimise myself all the time. Oh, that's Australian as well. Yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do that all the time. Do you where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like. No, I just I, have a thing. It's yeah. like it's nothing really. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, I'm not all that. Yeah. Um, somebody, I did an interview with someone the other day and she asked me to reflect on being called a digital maverick. And, of course, I was like, oh, I'm not really, you know, it's just, you know. And then I walked away from that and I was like, no, I fucking am. <laughs> and why oh, can't yeah. I just sit in that and own that and this isn't play like I didn't just you know I'm not trying this on like this is what I do and I'm trying to get better at going yeah you know this is you what know, I've achieved I, and I I think that I probably held myself back for at least five or six years with the idea that what I was doing was play and then I shouldn't take it very seriously because I all around me people I could sense that you know, I, I, even if I told someone that I was an influencer, like you could see, like I would get, you know, some, somebody would actually snigger and, and like, it, it, I, I still like describe myself as a blogger, even though so for so long people will say that that's a dirty word. And I'd be like calling themselves content creators and, and whatever. And it's like, no, I'm a blogger. And I made like my whole career out of this space. And, 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 and yeah, I, I, I just need to let go of, of the idea that to the minimizing of all of it is just so detrimental to furthering yourself mm. and whatever you yes. like, you have to go forward. Mm. And like, I'm doing a lot of work on how do I not use language that's in lack, mm. you know? Because I do, yeah. I do that a lot. Like right now I'm on this money thing where I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm joking to people. I'm like, oh yeah, the podcast is great, but I'm broke, you know? And it's like, no, Alison, because you're just going to continue to be broke if the word's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, so I'm trying to think destiny. about. Yes, doll. Mm-hmm. I got to do myself a digital course on it. Um. So let me let me ask you. You wrote um, an interesting article on your site about what's next after building a career on Instagram. Um, one of the things I found really interesting in that story was you said because you've refused to be held by how many likes your images get that you've retained a greater sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if we can unpack that a bit. So what does that mean? Um, I think. I, well, there's a, there's a formula I think that comes with because now in, uh, what I do is become so Instagram um, heavy that there's like a specific way that a photograph needs to look in order to gain attention, and that's like just one example. Um, you, yeah, for for me, like I my my creative abilities expand beyond just the appealing on that platform and that's why I will not indulge uh, like the idea that if something didn't get enough likes then I need to remove it I'm like this is just wholeheartedly what what I'm creating and and unfortunately the form the the um, Instagram formula means that like if you start to like kind of change things up you know and your common audience like that that's working with the formula aren't appreciating it that means it just gets buried really fast uh but you know, I don't care. 
Like mm. I, I want to, I want to keep challenging what I myself and keep trying new things and experimenting because if I don't do that, I'm just going to keep repeating the same bullshit. I mean, mm. I mean, it's not all, it's some of it's pretty nice, but you know, I don't want to be just having, having to put pictures that fit this kind of, these kind of parameters because that's, that's stale Mm. and I won't buy into that I I just I I don't yeah I refuse to so Mm. and this is the thing it's like by whose measure of success is an image um good or bad like if we are basing ourselves on the amount of likes that we get on a photo or the amount of people that follow us like I know you know this but I'm just so deeply worried yeah for women everywhere well, for me, I, I, I wrote a post and it's still probably like the most popular post that I've ever written. And it was like how to be super popular on the internet or something. I think it was called something like that. That sounds like and a very catchy headline. <laughs> yeah. And it was like this really long winded analogy that basically was like, if you're essentially like if you're a musician and you write music and that just like music like comes out of you and it's like the music of your heart and like you have your own style if you're like, if you want to be famous, like say Ariana Grande, you have to make music that sounds like her. But if you're writing these like heartfelt folk songs, you're never going to be um, like this like worldwide superstar. You're going to be like niche and you're going to have, mm. you know, you're going to be played on these underground like radio stations and you just have to appreciate those bad audience and you're the people that like mm. you it doesn't matter how big or small it is. Like if you're like mm. creating something that's from the heart, don't don't try and be like Ariana Grande just just for the sake of it. Just just mm. feed your heart and your soul with, with with what you make and what you create and, and treasure the, the people that enjoy that. And mm. don't focus on the number because after that it becomes a little bit soulless. Like fame for mm. fame's sake. Fame for fame's sake is I mean, so some people got feed from that, and and mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think the average person can 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 get a lot out of that. Because mm, it's like the fulfillment that comes from producing work that you know feeds your soul. You know, as you're saying, there is just no bounds of you know the the. And I'm doing this now, right? Like even this podcast, like the way it makes me feel is like a drug, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and nothing, um, nothing can trump that. No amount of money actually, um, or fame or notoriety or being the biggest, you know, a lot of people in this market, as you'll know, the first question I get asked from PR or clients is how big is it? And then I just go back and I think, okay, this is my opportunity to educate. And I say, why? Why are you asking that? Why do you want to know? It is big, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people listen to it. What it matters is for the people that do listen, have I um, challenged the way they think? Have I helped them um, improve their moral compass? Have I helped them establish what their own value set is? Like, yeah. you know, why are we so obsessed with fame and being the biggest, you know? Well, I think it was like, I don't know if this is actually a quote from Leandra Medine from The Man Repeller, but she I heard her say once that it's better to be uh, everything for someone than it is to be something for everyone. Mm. And that's, that's like really sage advice, I think, so in this good. context. 
there's a um while we're swapping quotes <laughs> I'm a bit of a quote engine actually. But um I you'll know him, but I everyone does. I really love um Seth Godin. I think like in terms of um a marketer, he is all about sort of I guess value based um products and marketing and and I've been sort of um exploring this concept of the minimum viable audience. So what would be the minimum amount of people that I would have to reach and influence for this to be a quote-unquote successful business, i.e. can I draw an income, pay my rent, buy my food? Um, And then the rest to me feels like if like, and also then how much money is enough money? You know what I mean? Like when we get into those times where we're just trying to build wealth for wealth's sake. Yeah. As a creative, I think that's when we get wildly off course. Oh, 100%. And this is actually another, like, absolutely precious lesson that I learned from my parents. Um, really didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I just, as especially as a young child, I just wasn't even aware of that. And we just, like, all our holidays were just kind of with a tent and with a, you know, piece of toast over the fire. And it was just the best, you know, mm. because we loved each other and we would have a great time and I never... I, like my parents understood that happiness was nothing to do with money and it was about love and it was about company and it was about just, yeah, it was just all of those things. So I've just, yeah, I've never, you know, there've been times in my life where I've had like quite a lot of money and there's been times where I'm like flat broke. And like, I, don't, I think from my blog, you would never guess like where those fluctuations happened. Um, but ultimately I don't think that my happiness is correlated with my income at all mm-hmm. and and that's just like a really great lesson to have because when mm-hmm. you're a bit short on that side it's like well you know I still have this cute dog yeah. and I still know how to make a mean toasted cheese <laughs> <laughs> you know going for a walk in the park is free so right <laughs> it's um it's a very very powerful position to um to arrive there you know and I don't know whether you feel that or not or or how much you think about that I'm new in this um in this way of thinking and I feel very um in control for the first time in my life like wild because some days I have zero structure and have really no idea what's coming next but when I think when I look in um, I've never felt more um, in control of my feelings, my um, just my destiny, I guess, you know, and I never knew I needed that, um, that, that separation of success does not equal how, what's in my bank, you know, no. account, literally. No, I yeah. mean, even like, so, like, I mean, I remember when I was like dating around my like early twenties, I dated this guy that like really like he was like, oh, I'm driving an Audi. And like, I'm from a country town in Western Australia. I'd never even seen an Audi before. And I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. And then I just kind of quickly learned that he was just empty. And that was mm. all he had. This, I don't you know, I'm sure he's grown up and found his life's worth it and whatever. But, mm. you know, I, I, I think that the, the value, like people valuing these type of things in society is kind of a poison of the mind. Um, and like what we, what really for what it makes a person rich is not like a monetary thing. And, and, and this is like, it's ironic that I work in a field which encourages so much consumption Mm. (laughs) and it's something that I have to, um, kind of 
come to terms with and kind of find my way around. Um, mm. but, That's maybe yeah. a good question for you is, I guess, as a um, a creative and a creator, how do you think about that duty of care? You know, a big part of being in the influencer end of the world is promoting products. Yeah. And, um, and so how do you sort of balance that as you think about your values and who you are as a person versus the work that obviously you need to do and take in order to fund the passion and yeah mm. essentially I think that the one strategy I've always tried to have is just like total like honesty in regards to like there's been times where I've just been like back to back like brand like a lot a lot of a lot of various clients and some that you know maybe uh, I'm not as as proud of anymore but um now I think it's like now that the dialogue is is more about that type of thing and and I'll just like using ethically and I I try and practice that at home and you know I try to like do a lot of recycling and try not to buy new furniture and try to make sure that I'm not consuming as much and try to yeah, just not, not, not buy things that I don't need. Uh, and then in terms of like right now, I mean, I guess I'm more fortunate that what, what I've been doing is, is more, uh, my, my business partner, I've been working, we have like production company. So we are making, we're doing larger form projects. So instead of having like hundred clients over the course of the year, I have like 10. So which is good. Nice. Hey, that's the dream. Uh, yeah well can we talk a little bit about the shape of your work at the moment because I would say that perhaps there's people listening that might not know um really what you do and um you are quite a pioneer in in the space and I think you've done a really beautiful job of not no I'm not don't say that (laughs) hey lady let's not go minimizing (laughs) yeah I know I I also um, can you see this mountain on my chin? No, you're very blurry. Oh, good. You're on the other side of the world. I put a um, photo up on Instagram stories yesterday being like, no filter, no worries, and my skin looked really good. And then it was a full moon last night, and then I woke up and it was like, oh, it's like the moon's gifted me a moon on my chin. Uh, you know what? I can't really have a lot of sympathy for you and your, your pimple because I like, I love a good pimple. Do you want I'm like, it? Yes. Let's get it. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm about to turn, th- I'm actually turning 33 next week. So I'm like, now my problem isn't really pimples. It's like wrinkles. <laughs> I'm 33 too. I'm nearly 33. this useful little plumper right here. <laughs> um, um, anywho, back to you. Um, can you, yeah, can you tell us about the shape of your work and, and as it relates to the production company, yeah. What, how, how are you spending your days these days? Uh, well, I, I mean, right now I think my biggest project has been this one with um, Marameco. So uh, my business partner and I are producing a series that's um, videos and stills and we've, like, been travelling around to various nations and meeting um, someone and we'll interview them and film them and take photos and then build them out into a series. Um, it's been, like, a great learning uh, experience for me because I don't actually do, I don't I don't film the videos myself I don't my business partner actually does the direction I do the creative direction and um, we have a, a great DP that we've been working with so it's nice to do something that's 
like, I mean, it's, it's big production to make videos. There's like so much, it's so much more involved. And then there's so much more, it's so much more time consuming on the other end, um, to do all the editing. So we, we do that. We've done it for a few different clients as well in smaller, in smaller ways. And, um, there, that's where we're really looking to do. I have, we have a photo studio in, uh, in New York, like, a yeah, we rent, we can rent it out and we, it's like fully equipped. And that means I can kind of work on personal projects. And then I still have my clients like as an influencer. So it's a bit of, it's, it's very natural progression. And I even find other people in space kind of talking about like, you know, consulting in that way. And because Instagram has become vitally important for like every brand. I mean, people spend hours on it every single day. It's staggering when you look at the like time you spend on it. I mean, uh, and yeah. other people, it's like, it's kind of twisted actually. Um, mm. but you know, it's important. And I, it's something that I kind of have grown up up with and, mm. and, uh, it's, it's almost a shame not to, to like take advantage of the lessons that I've learned. So yeah. That's totally. And that's, and that's why I'm like, I do mean it when I say pioneering, cause it's like to be able to identify that, you know, as a creative, you have a particular style. And so the work that brands would commission you to post on your own channels you go oh actually I can apply that to yeah. your own, to your content you know I think that um you were quite early to that and and you didn't really talk much about it actually which I also really um respected that you did that work quite um quietly um in a really nice way you know now everyone comes out they're like and we've got a content studio and we've got this and you're like oh yeah yeah so I, I, kind know. Of like, you know I kind of like you were discreet I, ironically, I think that I'm actually not that adept at self-promotion. Like I can promote things. Mm. I can definitely do it for other people. And, I, and I'm fully, it's just that, that it's the same Australian thing that I'm not just like, Hey, coming in six days and now it's five days and get ready for my exciting thing. And as ah, my production studio and I'm more, uh, I think that, um, I'd rather just be good at what I do and then and just hopefully get get recognized yeah. or, or not get recognized just be just produce produce good good work I, um and then that you know, I think that I, I actually think that that's a flaw in, in many in some ways and being living in New York I actually I, it's not great practice people in New York are pretty good oh the they're <laughs> Oh man, being in um being in meeting rooms in New York, it continues to blow my mind, you know. And and that's why they say, "Oh, you Australians are so nice." <laughs> yeah, we're not like self promoting, and we're not trying to, you know. I think yeah, tr- like step over other people necessarily to get. Yeah, but I think you can be uh, tactful about it. You don't yeah. have to take anyone down. Totally. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's yeah. been my whole um. Gosh, I've tried to live by that of life, particularly with women in women's lifestyle media. Is um, yeah, we can, you can take them with you. You know, like there is absolutely room um, for all of us. Let's just make sure that we're being additive and producing different work. It's a know? good. It's a it's a good time for that. I think that we the dial, the conversation about women supporting other women is really is really amplified right now. And actually just to make another quote, I don't actually know who, who was this quote was really originally by, but it was Nicole Warren who told me it, um, a candle doesn't lose any other of its flame by lighting another candle. Oh, heaven. And it's such a, it's such a good one. I also like know that it's like very helpful in your career to have like um, a mentee 
a peer and a mentor in your life and as part of your as part of your career journey um it's one of the things that's like helpful to enrich yourself mm. and I've always like I've, I think like inadvertently I've kind of done that throughout my career is kind of found like uh you know younger influences to like pass on what I've learned and then like talk about it with my peers and then yeah find find someone to look up to that is really incredible advice so thank you Mm. for sharing I feel like for people listening if you're kind of on your way now and I I absolutely am such a believer in this and I I did this in my last role but it's like pick your person and raise them up you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like because you can you know you can naturally spot people that maybe work like you, think like you, you can see their potential and all they kind of need is, it's like the coach. It's like not necessarily you don't have to be this shiny mentor figure. It's like. Oh, and, and you don't have to be constantly striving for yourself. Like to have, mm. to have someone to, to mentor makes you rich. Like it doesn't mean, cause you know, sometimes you feel a bit stagnant in your career. Find someone like that. Suddenly it, it just, it is reinvigorating and it is, yes. um, you know, cause, because, to be someone who to, I, I always think that being generous is its own reward, and you don't should never have to expect anything else back. And and this is the kind of stuff that makes you so rich. And that's oh, just, just like man, it does. <laughs> um, I wondered if you could share with us um, the influencer world through, you know, the lens of being inside it. Um, you know, offline exists as an exploration of self, but it's also life on the other side of the filter. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could share, like, what's it like on the other side? And, and I guess also, I'm like, what happens to people? Like, do you have you seen people change through fame? And you know, we we can tend to sort of lose our moral code a bit um, when things start to get uh, big, and the budgets get yeah. big, and the opportunities get big. What's it? been like and I wonder if you have any stories or yeah yeah I definitely do I mean I kind of think that for a lot of the the women that came up around the same time as me I feel like for some of them there was a moment where they kind of got really self-important mm. and and then I've seen that also come back them come back to down to earth and I just think that's natural like when any you know you could see that when any actor or actress would get famous there'd be a moment where they're like holy shit I'm amazing and then they would just go back to work at some mm. point like where they're kind of just like actually that's not a helpful attitude to have and I think that all the women that I know have had that kind of not 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 all of them have like gotten really big-headed but I think it's more like I the what what I see now from inside is that it used to be a really tight community and I turn up at fashion week and we'd all be like oh we're all so excited and we're all friends and now it's like you can't catch anyone because everyone's just business like they've got their own teams and they're in their own world and they're just hustling and it's something I have I I can't I have so much respect for it uh yeah I think there's I uh, yeah there's it, the ego thing has definitely not it, it's definitely not as prevalent as it was maybe even like two or three years ago I would say mm. I think people are just like they're about working hard and achieving a lot and and yeah, learning. I, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be part of it, actually. Yeah, and so you should be, like, because I do wonder, like, are you having a lot of conversations with different influencers about, I guess, what's next and how to diversify? Because I feel like you are a bit of a role model in that sense of, like, having sort of led the way um, 
earlier, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I would say I don't know if people – I feel like I'm like the old mother hen or something mm. because I'm also like not super, super – like I, I don't have millions of followers and I'm not like I don't have like, you know, six assistants or anything like that. I don't earn millions and millions of dollars for everything I do. So I'm kind of just this like sage and I'm just like very candid. Like I'll, I can, I'll like go and meet these, like meet some of them and I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm like got my period or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like very upfront. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. What, what was do, the question? Well, do you now? find like, they, um, I, you're such a great person to talk to because I don't even care what the question is. I'm just like, whatever, let's just keep going. But um, I kind of got lost in my. But the question was like, do you have a lot of influencers coming to you for advice on kind oh, of yeah, like, so, yeah, yeah. So what yeah, to do I definitely, I, I definitely, I think that like I've, I had even just like a few of my closer friends in this space, kind of plotting what comes next. Um, but it, it, the, there's so many opportunities. Um, I think there's like, even some of my friends have had a bit of like a crisis. It's hard to kind of be, be like, Hey, I'm like working on self-promotion every day and I'm, I'm over my own stupid face. I mean, I've been over my face. I, I was a model before I was doing this. I've been looking at stupid photos of my stupid head for like <laughs> 15 years. Oh, boring. So boring. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, my advice is always just like, well, let, what's, what challenges you? Like what, you know, what is it that like, how can you be like the person that's like, I'm going to do something new that surprises everybody. We, we are like, what's the, what's the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You could take a risk and then it gets less likes. Like, is that really like, maybe even if it gets like less likes, like a client's going to see it and they'll be like, actually I want to buy into that or like, you know, or, or anything you could find an amazing collaborator. I always encourage people to find people to collaborate with, whether it be, you know, stylists with set designers, animators. I'm with my boyfriend sitting across from me and he's an animator. Hello. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he can't hear. But um, yeah, hey, I, like I want to just like, what is going to make your work different? Like, what is it that maybe you could do something that changes the, the, the status of the game or change pushes everything up a level or yeah, that's generally my advice to people because there's kind of bravery in that isn't there it's kind of like that whole concept of going where you're not yeah um and then it's like also the motivation behind it like we don't always have to do things to surprise and delight others like perhaps we can just surprise and delight ourselves you know what yeah. I mean and then by doing that for yourself everyone else is going to see how happy that makes you and how excited you are maybe and then I think it's just that kind of like that type of energy attracts it, yeah exactly energy. yeah exactly. I mean it's it's like what what is your instinct telling you like what mm. you know like because you it's actually against your instinct to, to follow the like these formulas that these platforms encourage, you know, it's like your instincts will have, if you really listen to it, it's going to tell you something else. Mm. So, and it's, it's actually a greater risk to not, to, to not step out because to, to keep following it when, when you are realizing that you're not satisfied with it is just following the path of not being satisfied. Like what, that's, that's terrible place to go. Oh my God. I could not agree more. Like what do you, stand for what do you want to be known for you know and let's like get out of the band of common like mm. fuck, you know and I know sometimes that can sound easy to say but if you and this is like 
kind of what I want to achieve with this podcast is if we are focused on developing self and if we can um, identify that we have an ego and a spirit and a soul, mm-hmm. you know, and if we can get closer to who we are at our core, then actually it's quite good for ego. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it does feed the other, yeah, the other. Um. Zanita has been living in New York for nearly three years and traveling there for so many more. I wanted to know about the reality of living and working in one of the world's most exciting, but also unforgiving cities. I think we all hold that secret desire, don't we? To pack up and live out our New York City dream. I feel like I spent three years where I basically had no home and I spent like a ton of time here. And I've always like, I think I've been coming here for, to Fashion Week for like six or seven years. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. The city mm. is wild, and, but it's just like full of opportunity. And you can be totally anonymous or you can be at the forefront of the most exciting thing from one week to the next. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the biggest, baddest place to be, you know, I think, in our industry. Mm. And, do you find that hard in some ways though like in terms yeah. of like yeah. yeah I mean I've I've never actually prior to coming here I never actually sought out therapy mm-hmm. and like there's been just moments where I'm like it's just so I can't it's hard to explain I mean how do you explain anxiety it's like it's not really mm. uh, it's like kind of very indefinable it's like what's wrong with you and I'm like it's like a million things is wrong it's like everything and nothing and 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 it's like there's it's an embalmed the city is a bombardment of the senses. It's so there's too much opportunity. So you're like, this is, am I missing out? Yes. There's a, yeah. There's just the just FOMO every day. And then like not measuring up or like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a whirlwind and it's kind of, it's a place for thrill seekers, I think. Mm. So do you that, think that, about that like home? I mean, I think about home. Well, I, you know what? I, 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 I definitely think about home, but it's almost something that I have to push out of my mind sometimes because it breaks my heart a lot. Mm. Uh, it's really hard to stay in touch with my family because especially in New York, the time zone is just does not work very well for Western Australia. It's just shit. So mm. that's really sad. So is your, actually, sorry, you go. Oh, I was just saying I did last. I went and saw my family um, in January and I hadn't seen them for over a year. It's just fucking oh, stuff. That's a long time. Yeah, it's crap. Because mm, I guess that's the hard thing is that we have this, um, you know, we have this burning desire and we're these creatives and you kind of want to put yourself in the place where that's happening. But then it's like, what am I what am I sacrificing maybe? And, but then it's like, it's just a chapter in time, isn't it? Like yeah. you, you look back and you're like, oh, amazing. So however long you stay there, those five years in New York, those seven years in New York later will be amazing. Yeah. But I guess when you're in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, something I've had to come to terms with is like, if something sudden happened with my family, like, you know, my grandparents or something, like I wouldn't, to say goodbye to them or like but on the same token I'm I'm doing myself the best service and I'm like really following my dreams here Mm. and I know that they they love me and that's they want they want me to do do that like in in their hearts so I have to keep reminding myself that so you'll come home eventually (laughs) yeah Maybe. I mean, I think it's pretty – the health system here is so complicated. Maybe if I um, have kids, I'll have to come back to Australia. Yes. But um, I, have I don't want to pay $100,000 to have a baby. This is the crazy thing. I mean, I think it's not until you really 
start to dig in there and understand what the healthcare, the lack of healthcare. It's like I realized how how blessed we are here. You can have a baby for free, more or less, in Australia. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's more just like no one will fall through the cracks in the context of their health, you know. Mm. Like, you you know, it can cost you a lot, like especially if you can't work and that kind of thing, but no one is going to lose their home really. I mean, there might Mm. be cases of it like in in the context of like work and finances, but um, no one's going to get a $100,000 bill to to have a baby. Wow. Or more, you know. Mm. That's like a healthy baby. (laughs) Yes. And um I wanna, actually. I wanna ask for the people listening who maybe they have a dream to move to New York or maybe they're just going to New York on holiday and um, you know, I would say yeah, you're someone health insurance. Yes, <laughs> there's that. Um but tell me how you um you spend your time and what do you do and where do you go in the city for um, creative inspiration and to be honest, like the thing that I spend the most time on is playing guitar. I <laughs> mm. like it's a new hobby that I've picked up and it kind of reminds me of when I first started taking pictures. Like I was like, it's kind of like I realized that I loved it. Like I never knew that I would, I've, I've only been learning the guitar for like maybe seven or eight months. And I never knew that I ha- that I would ever love something so much. And I was like, it doesn't, when I, when I started taking photos, I was like, I don't care if I, I quote this all the time. But I don't care if I never get paid. Like this is how I can, how I define myself, and this is like the thing that makes my heart race. And and so I, yeah, I was. I just I, I'm actually a bit of a homebody. It's like a it's something that has come to me from living on a farm and spending a lot of time alone. Like I actually do have a younger sister, but we were just so different growing up. Like we're just chalk and cheese. We we have a great relationship now, but we are just like very polar kind of characters. So we didn't really hang out growing up very much. And, um, I just entertain myself all the time and I appreciate my alone time. So, um, you know, I mean, in terms of socially, I have some friends here and I go to like fashion events, but I don't know. It's not my favorite way to spend my time. I like to sit at home with my dog and play guitar. (laughs) Yes. It, it feeds my soul it makes it makes me so happy I'm mm. so happy I found it mm. and I've been taking singing lessons as well actually it's the best have you um are you going to start a band I know only the most exciting question of our honest conversation is Zanita starting a band just kidding we lost our connection bringing us back in when we found it again to talk a little bit about I guess self um Mm -hmm. broadly and you mentioned um therapy and it's something that is still I think relatively taboo in this country but you know having spent a lot of time in the states as well like everyone I used to work with on those global brands had a therapist you know it just wasn't a thing and it was kind of like if you didn't have one or you didn't go to therapy that was kind of an odd thing and I wonder what your experience has been with um that in the states and maybe you could tell us a bit about sort of what you've explored and how it's helped you develop as a woman um you know what for me it's actually pretty simple I I think like the the therapist that I go and see she's just kind of like a impartial friend and the things that for me the things that like the bad ideas that I was kind of had like bouncing around in my mind she um just help me figure figure them out I mean I I think that everybody could be served by that it's not that like I'm like 
I was really suffering. I just was creating like a few mental blocks that were reflecting me in my day to day. And actually the solution was so, it became so much simpler once I was able to, um, yeah, just wrap, wrap my head around it. I think it's, I think everybody has different experiences with this. And I actually think that I've had just as great therapy with some of my best friends. Um, yeah. And I think that is like a great form of therapy. I don't, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I, in the States, there's not such a stigma about it, which I think is really helpful. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is like I, with therapy is like sometimes there's a self-indulgent side, which I, which can almost be detrimental. Um, but that's just a theory of mine. It's not really, it's just more like, I don't, I, I, I think that, like, am we, I putting too I, much well, focus it, on? Well, it's almost like if I indulge the idea that I have this broken thing about me, is that something that I can then go and use as a vehicle for, for excuses for myself? Um, that's interesting. And yeah, and I think it's that's such a, a line to toe uh, with when it comes to the things that the challenges that we face in our life, whether it be like really tough things like trauma or just like, you know, I have attention deficit disorder and it's just like, I cannot, there's no, you know, there, it does like definitely poses challenges for me, but it's up to me to combat them. It's not anyone else's problem. And, Mm. and I think that I need to be strong, like to, for me to just like, Oh, it's just because I, I suck at this because of this is, it's just the, just the, the, steps I'm like it basically just yeah gives permission to to not not grow Mm, that's such an interesting perspective like and so with attention deficit disorder is that something that you um were sort of diagnosed with later in life or is that something you've known about yourself for a long time I've actually known about it for a really long time well I've known about it actually like I didn't know of it specifically, but like I used to get in a lot of trouble at school, but I was just, I got really great grades. I just used to like stare out the window and distract other students and leave, like I, you know, leave all my essays to like the last minute. And, um, yeah, I mean, just like there, these things are like very classic behaviors. I don't really see it to as it's, it, it's challenging, but it's also one of my greatest assets that like, I'm so resourceful. And I, ha- and I just focus on those things. Like I'm, I, I actually don't know if I can credit my creativity to being like, you know, like left brain or right brain or whether it's just that like, because I have attention deficit disorder, I'm so about pathways that it makes me a creative thinker. Mm. I mean, it's pointless to speculate. I just like have to, I just revel in it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's so amazing that it's like something that is perhaps perceived as a weakness in you know, certainly some medical circles you actually maybe see as a a strength. Like, I mean, I think yeah. that is quite profound actually. And I mean, a and, lot of entrepreneurs are diagnosed with it as well. Like, yeah. like I can't work under someone, but I'm full of ideas and I, I work really well if I have my own way of doing things or. Mm. Like yeah. You know, I've, it. um, yes. And I've read so much about him and that actually. And, I've had my own sort of um, journey with, um, 
you know, what I was calling anxiety um, for a long time and then I realised was actually kind of like PTSD um, and I, I guess I kind of arrived at that through therapy as well, that kind of really understanding the patterns and the trends of the behaviours, mm-hmm. I guess, through the therapist's eyes to help me sort of understand what it was. And, you know, because, again, minimising not only talent and achievement but minimising my mental health as well. Yeah. And, and that will – because I'm this person, I can't possibly have that, you know. Yeah. Um, and – it's been really interesting to fa- face it, actually, and to your point. Empowering maybe let, as well to face it. Yes, and not let it um, become defining in a way that I can't do things. There's certainly, you know, part of mine is around um, there was a particularly traumatic event that I experienced with my husband and you know, it was when I was in that really big job. So I didn't give myself the space and time to process it and recover from it. I just re-engaged in work. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that just kind of like vomited out everywhere. I mean, as a leader who's not okay, (laughs) you know, um, who's been through something quite traumatic, You, I mean, the team feels it. It's like a mountain of pressure as well. It's not good. It wasn't good. And I think about my ambition and I think, gosh, like it was so um, your desire to be quote unquote successful um, that you shelved this massive thing that happened in your life and you just steamrolled over it like, oh, well, that happened and on to the next thing. It's like I really really feel for me then. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of want to go back to her and be like, doll. Yeah. You know, and I – and then I think also, I didn't, where were my women then, you know, where were the, and I've done that now where I've actually put a bunch of really amazing women around me that, um, that can nurture and that I allow in, you know, to, cause they know when I'm not okay, you know, versus me just having to be okay, um, all the time. But yeah, much the same as you, I really feel like it's, I, maybe I feel like I'm a bit of a survivor now and, and it's only through going through that thing that I've been able to embark on the journey of self anyway. So yeah. if it hadn't have happened, then I wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like one of the most challenging things, and as you say, like being surround, like trying to surround yourself with, with women that support you. It's like when, when it comes to the matters of mental health, when you're like not in a great place, it's so hard to articulate your needs and you can be difficult, like, you know, like I feel like in, in times where I've been like having ups and downs, I'm like, I need all these people to be my ally, but I'm difficult. Like I'm, I, it's hard for me to communicate. I'm in pain or like whatever. And it's like, just like what's th- what therapy is helpful for is, is you being able to articulate that and then being able to explain your needs to these, to people that do care about you so they can better help you because you can't expect everyone to understand the complications of like what you're going through, mm. but you know, you just have to try and like have to find the strength to take a step to that, like, like therapy or like just open up to just like one person and, and then you can help other people around like build build the strength around you so that you can get stronger again. It's kind of like a real showing of the self, isn't it? It's like presenting your stuff forward to say like, here's a little bit about me that you might not know. And yeah, 
here's how to help me in those times because you'll spot it in me. Yeah, I mean, but it's the same thing that, like, how being generous is its own reward. Like, when someone asks you for help, like, that's, like, such a compliment. Like, that means that they trust you and they love you and they need you. And and, and it's it's not hard to step up for people that, that need you because you, you recognise the love that they feel for you. And, and I think that it, the more people that understand that and ask the, of that of people around them, the stronger that they can feel because they in turn know that if they ever needed help they can ask for it Mm. and that's how we all grow stronger in our like little communities Mm. god that's so nice (laughs) i'm so glad we've covered this topic because (laughs) and i'm so glad and thankful um that you're comfortable too so thank you for going there because you know um no i think it's very very valuable um i ask each of my guests a final question okay Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so offline exists as an exploration of self and it's evolved so much, you know, but really where it started and why I love this question so much is the intent was always there. Like as women, who are we without all the labels that we put on ourselves? So for you, it's like photographer and creative and you have a production company and you're in a relationship and all of that stuff. So when we're sitting in true self, you know, as we think about ego and spirit, so when you're at your core, who are you and sort of how do you identify with self? I'm guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) A label. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's a tough, damn tough question. Oh, darling, and I'm still figuring my own out. You know, someone did ask me in an episode where I was interviewed and, you know, I went straight to um, nurture, you know, when I think about me and my true self, I'm just, I'm fucking mother. That's, that's what comes up for me, supreme nurture. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say that, and Oh my God, it makes me so uncomfortable to say this, but I think that I'm very um, generous. I think it's because my mum is extremely self, like she's a thousand times more generous and selfless than I am. She is like incredibly hospitable. I mean, I love to like cook and serve food to people and take care of people. And, and, but my grandmother, she had um, 11 children and she just gave her whole life and soul to her children and I think that my mum has taken a piece of that energy and I think that I've take, kind of taken it I just I, I don't I I don't expect anything I just get a lot out of it I just I'd love to care mm. <laughs> oh my god I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm trying to tell people that I'm Mother Teresa and I'm not like I'm a dickhead like no, as well but you're so gorgeous <laughs> but I, I, I love in the to world take care to of give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is like, this is the kind of, there's a lot of people in the world like this. This is like why people become doctors and and nurses and carers and all these kinds of things. So Mm, I think that's so beautiful. Um, I have to thank you for being on my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This is lovely. And, you know, it's been so cool to have recorded Chloe at your place, which you've now moved out of, I know. No, I'm still here. She's oh, you, oh, so it's the same place. Got it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm about to go see her, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you yeah, give yeah. her the biggest, fattest hug and kiss? 
from me and just say Alison loves you so much. I'll say Alison says you're a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I won't say that. No, I know you won't. (laughs) (laughs) um but no so it's been nice to kind of I I feel like we kind of half experienced this in person (laughs) um in your beautiful place and um and now to be able to chat to you is actually a real thrill so thank you for the time I appreciate it thank you so this has been a delight (laughs) oh darling thank you well um yeah I'll talk to you soon yeah I hope it sounds okay with all the it'll be perfect okay (laughs) bye Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.